Hey, Adam. What's up? You know whose birthday it is today? I do indeed. Whose? Birthday, Sonny Rollins. I'm Adam Ennis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily music advice coming at you. Coming at you today. Uh, we are live again on YouTube. We're taking your questions. If you're listening to this right now, Come to the Open Studio YouTube channel every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're taking your questions. We're having a good time. We're having we're having a little bit of fun here. Yeah. I had us on black uh, black screen there for a minute, but that's okay. That just adds to the drama, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you, Peter, for like you're actually producing this show. Like you're playing piano with your right hand and you're producing the show with your left hand. I don't know how we're doing this pandemic wise, but we're making it happen. Well, buddy. we're share we're, we're sharing duties a little bit. You're producing the audio over there, right? Yeah, in that. Wait, I, did you press record? Oh shoot! No, I did. I did. Yeah, but that's literally. I came in. Here's how producing the audio goes. I came in. I turned the computer on and yeah. then I pressed record. Well, yes, but you also you're producing the lighting. We this is really we've we've distributed out the the jobs here, right? We've we've tried to we've tried to to shoulder some of the work between the two of us. Yes, I think it's working. But I think it's good. today, you know, okay, so we are honoring uh, one of the greats today turns ninety, mm. the amazing Sonny Rollins. You know, I think for for Sonny, uh, I mean, I don't know about for you, Peter, but when I think of Sonny Rollins, he's like he's we talk a little bit about what we use to like get people who aren't into jazz into jazz. Sonny Rollins is one of those people I use all the time. Like I give people St. Thomas, Saxophone Colossus, yep. you know, from Saxophone Colossus yep. as an intro. Yeah. Um, and then also just he's he's just full of all this deep, you know, wealth of really beautiful music uh, that spans now decades, like five, six decades. Yeah. It's oh, amazing. easily, easily. Amazing. Um, actually, no, I mean, he's 90 and he's been, yeah, talking about 70 years plus of, of powerful music. And I was just thinking about that. Like Sonny Rollins is, is, he's kind of like Roy Haynes in that, um, you know, he's always there. He's always around, always doing his thing. And, you know, I think he's going to always be around. It just, he's, it's that presence, you know, even though he's not performing as much as he used to, he actually kind of cut back on performing a while ago, not because of health reasons or anything. I mean, many years ago. Yeah. Because I, I, my understanding was, and I remember hearing an interview with him talking about this, like he wants to play when he feels moved to play, yeah. you know, and I think he was always in a pretty good situation in terms of taking care of his um, financial stuff or whatever, that it was never like, okay, I have to work for the money. Yeah. And so he always wanted it to be a special thing and he would always you know, kind of wait to see how he was sort of being moved by the spirit of music, what it would put upon his heart to play, you yeah. know, and, you know, doing the solo saxophone stuff, the duet stuff, the trio without piano with, you know, larger group stuff. I mean, it's always been exciting projects. I, I was listening to an interview with him just driving over here today that was on the, the radio and uh, it was from the 90s, but they had mentioned that he actually stopped performing in 2012. Is that what? Okay, he, he hasn't he hasn't played right, out I since he, 2012. Right, but they were talking in the interview with him from the 90s about um, 
about how he would just periodically just say, you know what, I'm not going to perform right now. I'm not, I need to work on, I have something specific that I want to work on and I'm not going to perform until I feel like that's ready. And that, that takes a level of honesty and courage that is, I think, very rare. Yes. You know, if you think about someone who, especially when you think about maybe that period, you know, the bridge period that everybody talks about where he practiced for five years, he took a break from performing at the peak of his career. Yeah. He just yep. stopped. Yep. And because he, he had something that he wanted to work out and he just, you know, the legend now goes that he he practiced every day or night yep. on the Williamsburg Bridge until he was ready to go. And then uh, I he, he was talking to Terry Gross on this interview as I was listening to it uh, on the way over here. And he was saying that she asked like, how did you know when you were ready to, to come back? Which is a great question, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I had something specific I was trying to accomplish. I didn't feel like I ever quite got there. Like I'd never quite accomplished it. But he's like, at a certain point, I just felt like um, any more of this would be a little self-indulgent, mm. which was such a sunny thing to say and so humble. And you know what I mean? Like he's working it out, but he sees this greater purpose that he has. And so he just, he went back to it. Of course, that record, The Bridge, the first record he made when he came oh, back. Oh, it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, and I just, I, I want to, I'm going to go seek out that interview because I, I can just hear him, you know, with his voice. Wow, Terry. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm doing a bad That's version a bad, of it. It's but, very bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What, well, happy birthday, Sonny Rollins. You know, I was thinking too, Sonny's like that connection, that direct link that we have to our elders in the mm. music. And I don't just mean old people. I mean elders from the sense that like Sonny represents that kind of integrity and, you know, depth in the music that's kind of a a beacon for all of us. You know, that whole thing of like if I'm I'm only gonna play if I need to play, I'm gonna do what 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 I'm placed on this earth to do. And we always need those those beacons and those markers, those folks. I mean, and you think about a lot of the ones that we have in the music that had this passion for the music and would do anything for it. We, we don't have a lot of them anymore. Like Sonny's still here, you know, yeah. Roy Haynes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just lost Jimmy Cobb, um, you know, a few months ago and McCoy Tyner. I mean, these are, these are like legends. These are like, just you, you say their names, you know, and it's yeah, Sonny, the, one, one word, you Sonny, know, it's yeah. like Prince, you know, Michael. The, I just think about the musical courage that Sonny Rollins displayed his entire career just from the way he played, from the way he improvised, from the way he just played straight from his heart, straight from seemingly, you know, all of our collective consciousness. Uh, it's amazing. It's yep. amazing. It's it's very, very inspiring. It makes me makes me want to be a more honest person, honest musician. You know what I mean? Like to, to please, really please. to really like uh look at yourself and say, like, even though I have, you know, this career established, I need this time to work through what's most important to me, which is playing great music. I, yeah. I, that's courage that I can't imagine and that I, I'm very envious of. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. Well, we've got a bunch of folks on here. We want to just say, you know, thank you guys so much for joining us on this Monday afternoon, which is our new time. We even thought about, well, it's a big holiday today for our second week, but we, we thought about it, but we never wavered. Did we? Well, we thought about wavering, but we didn't really. We're like, we're going to be here. So we appreciate you guys being here yeah. to share this with us. Um, and I saw somebody, uh, e e 
Eddie or ED from uh, Alborg, Denmark. Mm. I love Denmark. Every time, you know, I love a lot of places, and I've been fortunate to go uh, as a you, Adam, to some some really cool places around the world. But Denmark has just such a special place in my heart. I've never even been there. You like vacationed there, not just played, right? I did. A, yeah, we did a nice, a beautiful family vacation a couple years ago mm. uh, in, in Copenhagen. Had a great Airbnb. And and you know a lot of people are like oh my god Denmark so expensive yeah because it's so great it's so great that's why it's so expensive did you make it to Noma uh, we went to Noma we did not dine at Noma <laughs> we we walked around it was actually closed while we, when we were oh, there yeah, yeah. yeah they 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 oh they, they were in the, Mexico at the time probably right? well they were in the middle of moving locations and the new location was kind of it wasn't open but we got to go in and see it uh, it's it's beautiful incredible place we have a friend who went to, to Noma though I think. Didn't Sean go to Noma? Oh, he might have gone. Of to course, Noma. he went to. Right, you know. Yeah, that's he did. Um, Seems like something Sean would do. We got at least. Oh, we got somebody else from from Denmark. Cheers from Denmark. Mika. Mika's Danish. Piano. All up in this. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, we got a couple questions here on YouTube already. That we have actually several questions that we could totally hit. And the first one was from Raphael. And he says, yo, I was wondering if you guys can go over some Joe Henderson stuff. I'm working on Serenity, and it's a really hard tune. That is a true statement. Yes. And... Um, you know, so yeah, see, I, that's as much as yeah. So that chord right there, Joe Henderson showed me this. It's it's actually a half diminished. I think it's wrong on, on like a fake book chart or something. And then a flat minor, and I can't. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing too complicated with the melody. So no. I'm, I must be assuming that Raphael's talking about the changes. Yeah. You know? Um, and just how fast some of these, like that thing, right? That, that, right? That old chestnut. Yep. So I don't know. Did you, did he say anything about these when you played with Joe? When he was talking about this. Did, did, he didn't say anything except for that the one except chord. That one I played thing. C minor. He's like, and he was like, oh. he's, yeah. I think he just like sat. He like kind of over at my shoulder at the piano was just like played that, or maybe he said a a half diminished. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I I want to say that they on that original recording played it wrong or something. Because there's been several instances where he's like, yeah, just because they they played it right. You know, he was such a laid back. I don't think I've ever played it with an A half diminished there. It's always been a C minor every yeah. time I've played it. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely half diminished. But do you think that these, and I'll have to go listen to what was being played on the piano on the original recording, but this like A flat, major 7, sharp 11, is it that is that kind of, do you think it's that kind of inner urge sound? That sound? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That Joe was known for? Yep, I think so. But it leads so nicely that A half diminished to that to, to the A flat uh, on that, minor. On that that uh Yeah. It's... Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That's a nice little thing. Yep. Um Yeah, so how would you approach something with all these false cadences and then some like like that whole step movement? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think th- yeah the those kind of uh, false resolutions or non-resolutions, false cadences, I think it's important to really, like we're always trying to think melodically, of course, but like as you improvise over this, this kind of a tune is to really think about some kind of longer phrases that 
can stretch over those chords because you don't want to segment your playing because it just makes it it makes it more obvious that there's not a connection there and yeah. really the the melody just like the actual melody as you're improvising a melody is the thing that connects it and makes it such a pretty cohesive form you know so you have to just really think melodically and be um you know fearless like Sonny Rollins to be able to like Joe Henderson to to play over those chords and to kind of get into some situations that you may not be exactly sure where you're going in so reality let's break that down a little bit like what is what does it mean to you to play melodically um like, I, I think it's it's really it's really thinking horizontally instead of vertically like mm. no, no chord running no scale running like really creating melodies so I think you have to know the form so well that you're not thinking about the chords at all because as soon as you start thinking about where you're playing vertically over each chord. You might play some cool stuff. You might play the, the chord changes right, and you might kind of luck up on something, but it's not It's not going to be melodic in the truest sense. Like, I think one thing you can think about, Raphael, when you try to play over this is maybe thinking of, of using themes not based on scale or chord, but based on rhythm and interval, and trying to overlay that over some good-sounding notes over the changes. So instead of like... You know, like running scales, yep. running chords, scale running, chord running. You might think of like, you know, um, yeah, like really trying to focus on coming up with themes, especially when you practice that stuff. Like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to think that hard about it as you're performing. You just want to let it go and play. But the point of practicing in that way is to get yourself in that mode where you're like, okay. I don't want to be like sometimes it's I think it's cool to think about what you don't want to do. Right. right. Like, I don't want to be just running scales up and down, as yeah. you said, horizontally and, yep. you know, and, as opposed to vertically. Like, I don't want to be just like like or just whatever that is like doing like my, my insert bebop lick here or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where it kind of gets to be a, a pretty rough situation, I think, especially on a tune like this, where it's like that functional harmony doesn't really serve you right you know? right yeah and i think if you see like if we take the cue from the melody oh uh, well now you're talking now so that okay this part and then this is kind of like the sub melody you know it's really all one phrase so you got like if you take out like all the things that are leading to different places the longer notes so that's sort of the shape, and it's stretching out over those whatever four bars. So when we improvise, and if you think about the way that the song is constructed too, it's waiting, it's like doing pickups to the next chord. So yeah. as opposed to just, once you get to the solo, like one, two, three, four. Like where everything's starting on the thing, you might be like one, two, three, four. Uh. Yeah, so like you're that. Waiting Whatever that you're is, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're waiting and you're delaying, um, and sometimes even either delaying or anticipating the next chord before you get there. That's the thing. You got to be fearless about that. So you're on D half diminished, and it's going to G, you know, uh, whatever that is, kind of sharp, sharp nine flat thirteen. So 
Mm-hmm. I'm already kind of playing over that G before I get there. So that's already one way to connect it. You know, don't be like so robotic where it's like, I'm not at the chord yet, so I'm not going to play it. That's the, the quickest way to, to make your playing vertical. Vertical. Well, let's connect this question to a question here from Jeff. It's actually, it's literally the... Oh. We can have nice things, but they don't always stick, see? <laughs> need, some, uh, need some packing tape up in this. <laughs> Uh, so Jeff asked something that's kind of along the same lines he says can you guys talk about playing over rapidly changing major 7 chords started working on steps by Chick Corea turnaround goes A flat E D flat B I can do this okay on I can do okay on this slowed down but this tune is really fast so I don't actually do you know steps I don't know Uh -uh. steps but I do know inner urge and there's a similar situation yeah where it goes through this this uh this pattern here and this actually kind of ties into that joe henderson question too in that when i'm playing that i don't want to be doing this right like that's the last thing that yep. i want to be doing actually. well and i think too a lot of times like you might have some good melodic content in there but if you do want to do some kind of you know little triad one two three five kind of things is use rhythm then right. to make it more melodic because that's the whole thing is like the goal is to create melodies over this stuff and not get not just arpeggiate chords or run up and down scales so you can use you know something like um, uh, oh you were doing another uh, so like if you think about it. I'm just kind of making stuff up now. But, you know, like if you're thinking about that end result of that melodic thing, you can actually use some triadic stuff. Just don't play it in a symmetrical way, like a a way that's going to lock you in. Yeah. And, Jeff, you can find that with that leading right off of that, you can find common tones amongst the triads. Like if we're doing this. I can I can kind of lean on a couple of different notes. I have to lean on looking at your shoes if you keep playing like that too. <laughs> Come on. Like, oh, I can do that all day. Man. Come on. But this is a great way I think for me so that I'm I'm out of this like like, you know, I don't know, just doing these like throwing your hands at it in a way that doesn't seem like it's you're actually making music yeah again i'm feeling so inspired by sonny rollins today that i just kind of want to play different versions of sonny solos i know i know i know i know and then the other thing is you can take some of these you know so you got d half diminished is that right yeah so you might take something that's a little bit unusual but really commit to playing something nice melodically so like i would actually think about like a c triad over this oddly enough You've got C triad over um, over that D half diminished, right? And then you go to the G seven. You've got a D flat triad because I mean, what's what is what's easier to make? There's nothing easier to make sound melodic than a triad, you know. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is. Well, you know that. How <laughs> gazy do we want to get at our feet? Because we could do. Yeah. Okay. No, we don't. We don't. No, no, no. We, we could. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, this is all. But it's like so. If you, uh, that's nice. That's very good. 
but I'm thinking about big melodic phrases. I'm not thinking like, let me do something on the second and the third and the fourth beat of the first bar stretching into the second. I'm thinking about like, how do I stretch this all the way into the whole next phrase, mm. you know? And you're going to make some so-called mistakes, but the more melodic you get and the more you commit to it, the more you can get away with just like totally, as long as you know the form, as long as you know the form and you're still playing it with, with your actual melodic improvisation, your story, you can waver far from that. 